Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. Canada Post Insight is a magazine for marketing thought leaders and a showcase for its leading practitioners. Each issue of Insight brings you innovative marketing ideas for inciting action. Read Insight now and sign up for a free subscription at canadapost.ca forward slash Insight Magazine. to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. We're happy to have you. We are talking today with a difference maker. And what started out as Nicole McLaren's workbook club has morphed into a reconciliation project when she founded Raven Reads in 2017. The subscription-based service sends Indigenous books and gifts across Canada every three months. Nicole is trying to shed light and bring awareness across North America to the past and current state of the relationship between Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people in Canada. In 2018, the Vancouver-based company donated $1 from each box sale to First Nation Caring Society to reduce the gap in First Nation education support. They also donated a portion of books to the Dennis Franklin Cromarty Memorial Fund to financially assist Nishwabi Aski Nation students' studies in Thunder Bay 
at a position at post-secondary institutions. Nicole is also the founder of the Indigenous Women's Business Network, which offers free business counseling and more particularly to entrepreneurs in rural areas. Her hard work and determination at, at her many endeavors won her the 2018 Startup Canada Indigenous Entrepreneur Award. On today's episode, we're going to talk to Nicole about the process of reconciliation and some challenges she faces being a social cause-based company. Nicole, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. Thank you so much for having me today. Tell us your story um, about, uh, you know, this this workbook club that kind of then went into a reconciliation project. Can you take us on that journey? Sure. So I was working and part of my my job duties were to explore um, opportunities for pursuing reconciliation. And I was trying to think of ways that I could personally start on that journey. And I love books and I love book clubs. So I thought, well, why not start a book club at work where we focus on books by Indigenous authors? And it just, it was so eye-opening. I should add that no one else on that book club identified as Indigenous. So it just had amazing results of having people make connections between historical events and looking at contemporary issues. And just by doing it in that format, it just really helped people kind of make that connection. Wow. And, and, and why do you think that reading uh, is a important pathway, if you want to call it, to, uh, to uh, start the conversation around reconciliation? Mm-hmm. Reading is safe. So you pick the time and the place and you get to choose as the reader how how deep you want to dive into certain subjects. So it's very different than sitting in a classroom or a lecture hall or a meeting room and getting into heated debates that are often very passionate. And most authors, particularly Indigenous authors, are great storytellers. So it's a great way to make that connection between um, historical events, but under the guise of a fictional context. So um, a, a couple of things. Why, why, is, uh, why is it called Raven Reads? Mm-hmm. So there's the connection between the um, traditional presence of the raven in many Indigenous cultures as, and it's often linked with stories of, of wisdom as well as trickery. Uh, and then I'm also just a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, very, very cool. So take us on, take us on uh, the process of reconciliation happening or the dialogue around it happening through Raven, Re- Raven Reads. I think it, uh, I want to understand the thread where that, starts to happen in your books? Like I said, with reading being safe, um, reconciliation as a social movement is very, it's sensitive, it's often heated, and it's, it's a very subjective term. And so I don't necessarily always come out and say, you know, Raven Reads will will get you there or that mm-hmm. it's kind of an answer to it. But I just say it's merely a tool to put in your toolkit of how you can just personally start pursuing that kind of in the comfort of your own safe space. 
And how did you how did you launch Raven Reads? What was the the beginning journey of uh, the you know the the, for, the first the first book and gifts that you've uh, I'm interested in the gift component too and how the how the business works around it. But let's focus in on the books. How did you how did you start the launch of that that people say you know what I'd be interested in doing this. So what were the business uh, aspects or tactics that you used to do that? Hmm. I can't remember exactly when I stumbled across this subscription model per se, but uh, coming out of my book club and the success of that, I started researching the subscription business model and I spent about a year on that. Okay. Um, Then I started reaching out to publishers and just getting an understanding of how wholesale works and how retailers connect directly with publishers and distributors and just kind of went from there and and looked for upcoming new releases that were sure to be a hit and were a good blend of being informative but not just a straightforward nonfiction type story yeah i love it and and who was your first customer my first customer would have been my mother. Nice. I love it. Did, was she actually a paying customer? She did pay for it. Yes. Nice. Love it. That's so cool. So how's the, how's the subscription based service for Raven Reads been, been growing? What's the feedback you've been getting? Uh, how's, how's that all worked since, uh, since, uh, you know, we began back in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it's, Continuously growing. So we're at just over 500 subscribers and we've just branched out beyond the US and Canada and we've started now shipping to our first customer in the UK. Started off with your mom. Uh, the subscription-based service. It's been growing. You've got uh, connections. You've got business now in the, throughout North America and now into the UK. What, what I'm curious about is, uh, you know, what have you what have you learned? I guess along that journey of going from one to five hundred, because you know, subscription-based is uh, is a pretty cool model to build a business, but it doesn't just happen. So, how did you? keep that momentum going. I mean, 500 and well, less than two years is pretty darn good. Yeah. So certainly my biggest learning curve was around shipping Uh, and connecting this all back to the kind of the rule discussion is I've been moving between Vancouver, a major urban center, and then recently moving into more rural areas myself and learning the dynamics of shipping options and once I got larger I was I'm shipping now about 500 boxes every three months and so I've had to move into the freight yes uh, stream of things so that was the big big learning curve and I continue to kind of battle with that the second thing that's unique to the subscription business model is it's not just a matter of fulfillment of orders Right. Where someone just, it's very transactional and they just purchase it and you just send it out to them. Yes. But there's that nurturing piece and and I'm continuously studying and, and trying to learn more about how to nurture your subscribers and because they have that option to kind of just leave and, and find and an alternative. Yeah. So how does that nurturing happen? How do you, what are some of the tools or t- uh, tips that you would give the audience? Yeah. So you have to continuously provide value back to your customers. So even once they've purchased that box and they've received the product and you're, you know, they're happy with the product, you still have to kind of keep 
giving through various ways. So whether that's through your email marketing or your social media posts, you're just constantly nurturing them um, and getting them excited about the next product you'll send them or the next box you send them. Mm, I love it. What are some of the gifts that you provide? So we do everything from, it's we tend to say two to three gift-like items. And that's everything from, uh, they all come from Indigenous entrepreneurs or Indigenous artists. So it's everything from candles. Um, we featured some beautiful makeup products from Cheekbone Beauty in our very first uh, box. Yeah. yeah, I've interviewed her. She's awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, so she was our uh, featured in our first box. We've done uh, teas, coffee in our most recent one, uh, as well as small pieces of artwork. And uh, are, are you getting people now coming to you with gift ideas that you can uh, provide to your customers? Certainly. So I'd say in the last eight months or so, I've started having more people reaching out, whether they've published books or they do design or artwork, as well as uh, craft items. And how does your how is your packaging representing your brand when you send it out? So branding and packaging were the key things for me when I started this business. So during my business planning, it wasn't going to be just about what was in the box, but just right. the, the entire package. So when someone finds this on their doorstep, it's a full experience. Nice. Uh, so there's a lot of connection between thinking about who our target audience is and what I want people to feel when they get the box. So we spent a lot of time on that particular piece. I've got a question. Uh, it's a tactical question, but I think it's a, it's, it's a pretty important for one as people are, are listening in. And then we're going to get back to the, uh, you know, the social cause that uh, Raven Reads is all about. How do you, do, do, you are, do you box up every one of them? Do you have a team? Do you outsource it? How does that process of getting the books and the gifts together in the box to where it's sent out. How does that work for you? I currently do a large portion of it myself. Uh, and the last two shipments, I've started recruiting some local youth and volunteers and family members to help me. Neat. Neat. I bet you they love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, how, uh, you know, part of the, uh, your journey is to bring awareness to the past and current state of the relationship between Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people. What's your audience, what's your subscriber uh, list like from the balance of Indigenous and non-Indigenous people? I'd say it's quite balanced, actually. Um, Did that is, surprise you? It did a little bit because I thought we'd actually end up with a bit more non-Indigenous. And what's nice is having that balance means really good dialogue between subscribers on our social mm. media platforms. Nice. Nice. So that, that's really cool. So you bring them back. That's how you bring them back is to not only just listen to what I'm saying, being Nicole, uh, the founder, but you're also encouraging your customers to engage in conversation with each other. Exactly. 
Yeah, brilliant move. Brilliant move. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, your interest in rural entrepreneurship. And um, I mentioned it a little while ago about my friend uh, and soon to be your friend, Mary Doyle from Rural on Purpose. It's a, it's a really uh, a fascinating uh, world of where entrepreneurs are now playing. What uh, what got you interested in, in that area? I know you just mentioned you've now moved to a rural setting, but um, is was there something else that was the the the, the light bulb moment? You said I want to I want to focus on on my counseling services for entrepreneurs in rural areas. Hmm. So I generally like to say you're rural and remote because often a lot of our communities, uh, our indigenous communities, are quite remote. I've, ex- I've worked across Western Canada and particularly in the North quite a bit. And I've just, I'm just aware of a lot of the issues when it comes to things like logistics and communications. And because a lot of our communities are often small, they're often remote or rural, they, they really struggle with things around things like transportation and communications. And if they're living in a small community, they're facing typically a small market. So the only way for them to really reach larger markets is is to get online. So they're going to be really faced with those kind of two difficulties. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean that's a that's an issue across Canada is access to the internet um, in, in rural areas. So how does how do you how do you, how do you navigate through that minefield with your clients on understanding that the world needs them to go outside of their communities for them to do their business, and yet here they have this restriction with the with the not accessibility to the internet. I think a key thing is if you can get support for those entrepreneurs or those potential entrepreneurs and helping them when they're up in that business planning stage of their business and hearing from other entrepreneurs and what they've struggled with. So you can be helping them think about that before they really dive into something or really invest into something that it's all possible. You just really need to have contingencies in place or having that you know, that little bit of extra cash flow prepared for, for when you're suddenly faced with higher shipping costs that you didn't expect, or you're planning your processes and systems around periodic internet shutdowns. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, I, like you say, it's it's not unlike any other entrepreneur. It's just that uh, your contingency plans are just planning for something different than uh, what uh, would traditionally happen in Toronto, as an example. You still have to have those contingency plans in place. Very, very cool. I want to, I want to, um, I want to scoot over to again the, uh, the this whole social cause focus you're on, and I've got a couple of questions around that. First one is, what are some of the some of the difficulties of running a business model around a social cause? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, social causes can be sensitive and, and emotionally charged, and so you just need to be aware of that in in two areas of your business. So the first one is you don't want to come across that you're just trying to capitalize off the costs. Yeah. Um, so you got to show that you're giving back and, but that you're actually making a difference and that it's not just a cash flow exercise or that you're just throwing cash at the problem. Mm-hmm. The second part would be in your marketing planning is you got to give special attention to, to what you're putting out there and, you know, Again, not looking like you're trying to leverage the cause, but also be aware that what you put out there, you may think, wow, this is a great 
story or news piece on this, but you you could just end up stirring nev- negative reactions or um, triggering someone in a way you don't intend to. So you just got to kind of have that check stop and just make sure that what you're putting out there is not going to have the opposite reaction that you'd like. Can you give us an example that you would have experienced in the, oh, I didn't expect that, that pushback. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> so when I first started, I started getting into doing paid advertising through social media and I was using the word reconciliation and I did not expect, um, a lot of the comments that would come below the paid ad, um, it was just very clearly it represented how polarized we are in society and what our thoughts are around the process and the word itself. Mm-hmm. And then on the, so that would get me quite upset and it resulted in a lot of loss of sleep, just sure. being a- angry over it. But in yes. the same, in the same way, it was a great way of testing my product out on the market. Cause I was like, clearly there's a need to be poking the bear per se of having this conversation and, and seeing how much people need that yes. continuous education to start making the connection and becoming more aware. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine. He trains people on how to do Facebook live shows, and that's what he says. You got to you got to lean in, and you got to be brave. And those are the ones that uh, that get the response that you want. Uh, another interesting thing about you know the word reconciliation. I had um, I, I forget what podcast it on, but I kept referring to in this context women entrepreneurs as female entrepreneurs. Like to me, they're the same. Uh, but this one person just no, not the same at all, and came came right at me. And I was like, "You?" I was like, "What the heck? What are you talking about? This isn't a you know you're you're kind of making something this that isn't right." Blah blah blah. But you've got to sit back and you've got to understand it from their context, but also appreciate the fact that uh, that there's a, an issue that needed to be addressed, and it was. So I love that you're you're uh, you're identifying that that sometimes you need to step back, but also other times you say, "No, I'm. Uh, this is why I'm doing what it is that I'm doing." And unfortunately, some people are not going to be uh, embrace the journey as I am. So so very very cool, um, Nicole. You've uh, you've donated a lot to First Nation Caring Society, Nisqually Aski uh, Nation stu- Student Studies, the Dennis Franklin Cromarty uh, Memorial Fund. Uh, in the journey of social cause, I, there's a lot of odd lot of uh, organizations who you could have donated to. How do you evaluate what organization you want to support in your journey with the Raven Reads? Mm-hmm. Starting off, there was a very obvious connection between promoting picking up a book and education in this country. And so it was so well timed that we we came across our first novel. Um, the public had its attention on the issues in Thunder Bay, and so it just it was very well fit for us. So looking forward, we definitely maintain um, a focus on the education piece and looking for creative ways of supporting uh, innovative initiatives that can can help, uh, whether it's educators or, or helping our youth. Yeah, I love it. And that's, I mean, ultimately it's your... You know. It's your northern star, right? That's going to keep you focused on where you want it to uh, want it to go. Exactly. 
Yeah, very cool. So, where's Raven Reed's going in uh, in 2019? What's the what's the vision? You you're going to double? You're going to triple? You're going to reach into Australia, uh, other countries? What's your what's your plans for the next uh, next 12 months? Yeah, so we're about halfway through our second year. So it's been a lot of focus on improving the efficiencies around our systems and getting our shipping costs down so that we're not deflecting that cost back onto our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've we continued to grow and we're looking to double by the end of this year our number of subscribers. And we really want to get back to this piece around demonstrating all the the intangible values of of Raven Reads and really making sure that we're helping people along that journey, not just through the box, but through the continuous dialogue. And we also really want to start embracing our educators a bit more and, and seeing how Raven Reads can continue to be a bit of a tool in their schools and their curriculum as they kind of try to navigate a, a bit of a difficult minefield of finding appropriate materials. With um, with your free business counseling, I want to focus on the word free because a lot of people would say, okay, that's nice, but there should be some skin in the game from the entrepreneurs. What's your, what's your rationale or you know, why are you offering free business counseling and not charging for it? So the nice thing about the Indigenous Women's Business Network is that it's really a collective of other Indigenous women entrepreneurs. Um, and so one of the pillars is is networking. And so we we often are able to just match up women with existing services or right. or they're getting that service through your networking and through men- informal mentor connections. So the whole intent with this network when we started was to not just duplicate another service provider because there's so many amazing ones out there already that do this. It was to help women be like, hey, you're in this area. Did you know that there's currently these services out there? So it's still on it's still on them to reach out. We're really just going to kind of come along, see how they're doing and making sure that they can find that or find that funding opportunity or find that mentorship opportunity. So the whole point was to just not reinvent wheels, but just kind of start help making those connections. Yeah, I love it. So it's not you doing it. It's the, it's the network that is uh, taking its, uh, its resources and, uh, and then connecting, which is, a, which is a huge foundational piece of what you're doing with the business network. Love it. Love it. Love it. So what do you do in your spare time, Nicole? Besides do boxes and gifts and, uh, and all this wonderful stuff you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not a whole lot of spare time to try to fill. Um, it's mostly just spending time with my family and finding creative ways of keeping that work-life balance. Yeah, it's pretty important, isn't it? So um, do you ever get back to Saskatchewan at all? Uh, we do actually quite a bit. My husband actually works out there periodically, so he's back and forth. But I don't get back there as much as I'd like to. I asked uh, Nicole at the beginning, folks, as to uh, about her journey in Saskatchewan, and that's where it started. So that's why I asked that question. Nicole, do, what else do you want to leave for our audience? And uh, you can talk about reconciliation. You can talk about social causes. You can talk about uh, business. But uh, the the floor is yours as we end this great conversation with uh, with many thanks. What's uh, what do you want to leave to our audience? 
Oh, thanks. I I really just like to kind of continue the conversation that Indigenous women or any entrepreneurs can find ways to still pursue their business interests, but still remain connected to their community. And sometimes it's very hard for us to try to um, we don't want to separate the two, but we can get kind of caught between finding feasible opportunities, but still giving back to the community. So there's a lot of business models out there that'll allow you to kind of connect with that that social cause. And the only the other thing I'd like to say around the reconciliation piece is that um, it's it's a continuous journey, and it's not something we're going to reach through political mandates or, um, you know, being told we have to do it. But I think just staying informed, picking up a book and just enjoying reading and you're just, you're slowly going to get there and, um, yeah, just continuing to promote, uh, education and, and reading as a great safe way to keep exploring. I love that. You know, that's a great way to end the conversation. I remember when I asked the question in the beginning, you, you, you said safe associated with reading. And that is so, so, so true. And uh, I want to encourage our audience to go to find out more about what you're doing. So what's the what's your website address? We are at ravenreads.org. Ravenreads.org. And what about if people want to hang out with you? Do they go to ravenreads.org or on LinkedIn? The best place is to go on Facebook and just do a search for Raven Reads and come check us out on our page. That is so cool. That's so cool. Well, I know you're going to have more subscriptions after this conversation. Thank you so much for uh, for giving us your time today. Thanks for the impact you're doing. Congratulations on the award. Well received. And, uh, and uh, just have an incredible day for what's left of it. Yeah, Miigwech. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> thanks now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 